Good day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. We are back on, on our Friday wrap today with our good friend, John Camino. John, how are you doing, mate? Hi there, David. I'm really well. Uh, really good. Uh, looking forward to talking about my favorite topic, which is um, real estate most of the time. Oh, basically property <laughs> data, isn't it? That's what you've been. That's what you've been trying to uh, try to try to chew through in the last couple of hours. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. To, uh... That's right. No, really yeah. good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, I'm doing really well. Um, you know, it's uh, it, like I like I was telling you. Um, obviously, you know, being watching the Sydney market like a hawk at the moment. Um, there could be some really nice opportunities coming up. Who knows? Um, but yeah, like as we all know. The pessimistic time is probably the best time in terms of opportunities when everyone else is uh, is not is not uh, is not in the market. That's the that's the best time to take your bet and uh, and, and and basically make a bet. Well, the, the the property market's down, but the sky is still blue. The roads are still there. The buildings are still uh, upright. You know, uh, uh, there's as far as I can see, no um, catastrophe out there. The uh, the sky uh, is not on. crashing. Basically, <laughs> no, the sky no. is not crashing down. So yeah. everybody just uh, everybody can stay cool and calm and collected. So. All right, shall we jump into the uh, core logic data? Let's do it. Um, all right. So just from a high level perspective, this is reading out the core logic data as at thirty first of October. So in other words, by the end of October, um, we are still seeing across the board at the moment a um, a, a decline, um, and uh, this is essentially from uh, as per core logic. We have seen now six months of falls for Australia's residential property market. Now, if you're calculating Sydney and Melbourne, probably a slight a couple more months on top of that, seven or eight months, give and take. Yep. Um, but yeah, across the board, uh, obviously the impact of the interest rate rises and the and the sentiment is starting to now kicking in. Um, we got Sydney from an overall perspective, so that's including housing units, a minus one point three percent for the month. Um, annually so far, minus 8.6%. Um, okay, so uh, for 12 months calculation, basically Sydney has dropped about close to 8.6%. Melbourne, uh, minus 0.8% and an annual uh, reduction of 5.6%. Um, Brisbane is an interesting one. Uh, Brisbane has dropped significantly, you know, I think um, with, um, with what, being, what we've been noticing, it has now overtaken Sydney as the as the capital city that actually decelerates the, the quickest right now. It's dropped minus 2% for the month of October, uh, even though the annual change is still positive. It's an 8.4% annual change, okay? But in the last quarter, as you can see, the uh, the, the the basically the reduction in prices has now uh, started to accelerate, which is at a minus 5.4% for the quarter. So it will be interesting to see how Brisbane continues to perform in the next few months, whether it's still going to sustain this level of reduction or whether it's going to follow Sydney and Melbourne uh, in terms of it's uh, slowing down on the uh, reduction. But um, uh, Adelaide and Perth, look, a minus 0.3 and minus 0.2. So I wouldn't say, I would say probably much, pretty much hold up pretty well at the moment mm -hmm. for the month. Hobart is a minus 1.1. So very similar to Sydney uh, in that sense. Uh, and the annual change, so Hobart's now also in the negative territory. It's minus one percent. So in other words, for the last twelve months, Hobart would have um, would have actually dropped uh, prior to twelve months ago. Darwin, I thought Darwin was positive previously, but now it's also minus uh, negative point eight. Mm, so I could be Darwin I could be wrong. Point. I thought I thought Darwin was the one that was uh, that was sticking up quite well, but uh, 
Yeah. Um, so Darwin for the month has also dropped 0.8%. And um, Canberra uh, has also dropped minus 1% as well. Okay. So that's just overall the observation is, you know, across all the capital cities, sure, we're seeing different level of uh, reductions at the moment in terms of the of, of the um, of the price reductions, but you know Brisbane is obviously the highlight that we're seeing, followed by Sydney um, and Hobart and Canberra, uh, which are not surprised because these cities have performed really really well in the last twelve months. So um, it's now just basically coming back into more of a normalised uh, mm. median price is the way I see it. John, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would actually just. A tweak, uh, a tiny bit, what you just said. So I think it's sure. Brisbane followed by regionals, followed by regionals, by, so, okay. and in particular New South Wales regions. So, um, yeah, uh, you're right. The sort of the, it, it's turned into the Brisbane story a little bit. Now, this is by no means problematic. You know, Brisbane mm. investors are sitting on uh, great returns, and 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 that should, you know, I I think you just let it let it sit and marinate and uh, and enjoy the ride. But you're right that um, Brisbane sort of over become the the fastest falling market in the shorter term data set, so the monthly and and now only just the quarterly data. So Brisbane's overtaken Sydney, um, and I think we'll continue to see regionals regionals decline. I kind of feel, and we said this last month, I kind of feel that S Sydney's um, decline is wrapping up a little bit. Mm. And I think Brisbane's decline's just starting to get going. Um, I also think you'll you'll see Hobart really pull back as well. So the percentage declines in Hobart are probably going to be similar to similar to Brisbane for a couple more months. Um, Adelaide doing great. I, I'm I'm I keep seeing great Adelaide data and um, and I'm still a little bit surprised by it. Like I, I don't think it, I think it came into this process undervalued, whereas Sydney was quite overvalued. But uh, but always surprising to see that. Um, but yeah, just watch this sort of uh, Sydney Brisbane dichotomy. Melbourne, Melbourne is uh, falling, but but far more stable and uh, uh, than Sydney. So yeah, I think that the the data is is interesting. But I think what we can say is the data has been falling. National house prices have been falling for six months in a row now. That's going to continue for a little bit longer. But it does look like and core logic do go to pains not to call it de definitively, but it does look like the sharpest falls nationally are behind us. So the sharpest falls were about three months ago. And while the market's still falling, the, the rate of decline has really uh, fallen. Um, one other thing I, I'd point out that we don't talk enough about is the overall return for real estate. If you go to the overall return where you say, okay, house prices might have fallen, but I want to add into add in my rental growth, rentals, and we'll we'll talk about rentals in a moment, but rentals are actually taking the edge off the price declines and overall returns outside of Sydney and Melbourne are positive because of rental rental growth. Yeah, mate, absolutely. Um, look, I think, um, and to echo one of your points as well previously, you know, looking at the reduction, if I could just circle back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The reduction in terms of the prices, if you look at the graph of the rolling three months change in the dwelling values in state capitals, right, you can clearly see that, uh, you know, Sydney and Melbourne has kind of started to tick up a little bit. They, they kind of like bottom out, if you know, like the trend has started to yeah. turn around a little bit um, in that sense. So 
and I think that's also in part of the um, Tim Lawless comments as well. You know, they could potentially, we are starting to see kind of like a, a, a bounce back, um, not necessarily back to the positive territory, but at least the rate is, uh, you know, maybe mm. the worst the worst of the um, uh, reduction is now behind us uh, yeah. in that sense. You never know. Um, but Brisbane is still falling sharply at the moment. You know, that line is just doesn't seem to be going or changing any anywhere. So, yeah. But, but as we've, we've discussed before, just in, in terms of like macro cycles, Brisbane's about seven months behind Sydney. Mm. So if Sydney uh, had its peak declines in about May, uh, I think it was about May, then uh, Brisbane's peak declines are in about February next year. And then we'll, we'll start to see the, the kind of recovery then, or at least a reduction in the in the rate of decline, which is all you can hope, all you can hope for. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Um, it is interesting that you mentioned that the regional areas um, is, um, is also um, dropping quite a bit. Um, was there any data that you want to share with our listeners specifically in terms of that observation that you mentioned earlier? Uh, well, it, it, it's centred around New South Wales regionals. New South Wales, um, okay. And then there's Daylight and then it's Victorian regionals. Um, so it, it's it's mainly uh, mainly New South Wales. Now, I don't know actually what part of, what part of New South Wales is falling because I can also say that one of the best performing suburbs in, in Australia is Armadale in the New mm. England the New England area. So New England's doing quite well, but it, it could be, and I don't know this for sure, but it could be the kind of coastal holiday areas, um, central and southern, south coast. But yeah, okay. I'm not sure about that. Interesting. All right. Um, so scrolling down, looking at um, listings. This thing has been going down, basically, um, is the mm. way that, that we read it, isn't it? And um yeah, the total, I mean, just without just jumping into the data, like all state capitals uh, essentially are having a seeing in a reduction in terms of the new listings in the last 28 days, compliant capitals. Um, and I think it's um, it's it's interesting to note that, uh, I guess, marrying up with our observations on the ground as well, and I'm sure, John, you know, you'll, you'll have something to share with our listeners a bit later when speaking to agents and local agents and what mm. they're what their thoughts are. There isn't a lot of good quality stocks at the moment out there, is it? Mostly just, um, I would say, what, B-grade type of properties? Um, a lot of them potentially starting to come up with, not a lot of A-grades um, in that sense. Yeah, so what, what I'm calling agents, they're saying houses, they don't really have anything you know, on the go at the moment. I mean, obviously I'm looking at specific areas, but, yeah, but they said, you know, units, we we have things um, houses. It's difficult, so the supply has really dried up. I mean, if you look at um, some of the data, the combined capitals, the the number of listings is down twenty five percent year on year for for uh, for houses and sorry for new listings. And in in Sydney, that's down thirty five percent. In Melbourne, it's down thirty two percent. So and even Brisbane, um, it's down twenty one percent. So what was holding Brisbane prices up, uh, let's say six months ago, is they had a really big collapse in in listings and we're seeing that now in sydney and melbourne so yeah it's 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 tough to um it's tough to find stock that said there is a difference between transactions and listings a lot of there's in slow markets a lot of deals are done off market so and that's because there's a nervousness on the part of the vendor 
to market test the product. And if it goes to auction, it, it falls through, then you've got a, a stale jinxed property and they, they'd rather not play that game. So a lot, a lot more deals are being done off market, which is, which is unhelpful if you're a, the average punter. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, listings are down. Listings are down. Yeah. Okay. And whilst we're touching on listings, um, I know that you've looked into buyer demand uh, as well. And what's the buyer demand trend is telling us at the moment. What does that tell us? So the buy, buy demand is harder to put our arms around, but PropTrack, which is, I think it's attached to realestate.com.au. Yeah. They have a, a buyer buyer index, <clears throat> which is, um, I think it's based on sort of realestate.com.au. Yes. Yeah. The source is, is realestate.com.au. So. Which is good. Which is good. Actually, Domain do the same thing and they have it by suburb. You can go and you, you look, look, look at the... Uh, the demand for for the area that you're looking at, which is really valuable, how many search searches are done. But uh, if we look at um, this prop track data, um, real estate demand in Sydney is down 25%. So it peaked at around the end of last year, and now it's down about 25% in 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 Sydney. So this is where real estate gets a bit more complicated than say the stock market because. You, you know, uh, in BHP share land, um, the number of supply doesn't go down by 35%. It just manifests in price, whereas in real estate, vendors just don't sell. So it's it, it, the market clears in a different way to, to other asset classes, which is why you don't get the big falls in real estate. Uh, but yeah, so real estate demand is down about 25% and real estate supply in the most recent data is down about well, I think, what did we say, about 25% nationally as well? Yeah, yeah. So basically both the supply and the demand are falling mm. at the same time, uh, which is an interesting phenomenon. But, and that's probably why it started. it's it's painting that pessimistic picture on the ground at the moment. Um, you know, and 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 property prices obviously due to due to the due to both the reduction in terms of the supply as well as the demand. Uh, there's going to be less transactions, and therefore, yeah. um, not to mention the borrowing capacity reduction as well, which is across mm. the board now with all with you know seven consecutive rate rises. It's starting to really have an impact uh, in terms of how much people can borrow, uh, which in turns would then reflect in terms of how much they can put through on their offer prices as well. So, yeah. but I think it's important to note that the current demand based on the prop track table that you have just mentioned, it's still above the 2019 average, mm. um, actually. And it's probably about 35% above the 2019 average. So while it has reduced 25% from the peak, it's still in general quite high. In other words, people still have interest in terms of yes. buying property, but I guess it's more about whether they want to or whether they really, I think this is a good time to be entering into the market. Um, so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's an interesting one. And I think, you know, uh, marrying up to the story that you told me off air before John, uh, which I think, you know, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the, the inquiry levels for sales agents were relatively high after the, uh, after the 0.25%, uh, interest rate increase this month. However, after seeing feds gone up another 0.75%, they started to pull back again. So that seems to me sounds yeah. like a sentiment issue, um, rather than, more of a financial slash capability issue. Yeah. 
I, I agree. I mean, the, the prop track data suggests pe- that a lot of people are monitoring the market. Mm. A lot of people are mo- like above average people are monitoring the market. And it seems to be, it seems to be that they're waiting for a bell to ring to tell them to go and buy. Mm. And obviously, according to that anecdotal evidence where the agents are saying they can see the level of inquiry go down the day after a rate increase, it means it means that they can still afford to buy the property, but they they don't think this cycle is over. And I'm sure they're right as well. Yeah, so it's, it, it is interesting. But um, what I can also tell you, which might be interesting as well, is just in terms of as a buyer's agent, you know, I I, I see who you know the types of buyers that they come in and out of the shop, so to speak. In in the hot markets, it's first home buyers and and young couples, mm-hmm. and in the slow markets, it's downsizers and older couples, cash buyers, let's say. Oh yes. So you know, buyers, clients at the moment are the downsizers who don't borrow. You know, they sell property A that, to move into property B uh, that's much smaller, and and they're not completely indifferent to prices, but they're not watching. They're not trying to catch bottoms and tops. They're just uh, buying for lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, it, it was about chasing the market up, and uh, but it was all young couples. So it, it's interesting to see what happens because I think what we're seeing is the first home buyers are going back into the rental market, which is why we're seeing rents go up, particularly for you know units. That's right, and I think uh, you know the uh, loan commitments at the moment for first home buyers is also very very low. Mm. Uh, they're just not sure whether you know seeing that the rates are so high and affordability and uh, serviceability is literally just being decimated in terms of what they can afford. Um, yeah, they are starting. They're certainly starting having doubts uh, in terms of whether it's the right time to get in. Um, in that sense, so yeah, no, that's uh, that that definitely explains why did why they're pushing up the rents. Yeah, yeah. But just to, um, I can understand if if it's affordability, um, waiting on the sideline makes complete sense mm. uh, because all you can spend is the money that you can get from the bank. So I totally get that. If you're trying to time the market, that's not necessarily uh, the right way to think about this. And the reason is is because we have to sort of put our real estate hats on rather than our sort of Bitcoin hats on. So, and what I mean by that is, uh. When, when we look at the stock market and when we, we look at Bitcoin and we look at other asset classes, we have to ask ourselves, is this going to be around in 20 years' time? And what is the user case? Like, is is anyone going to be using Bitcoin or Ethereum uh, in five years' time or 10 years' time to do transactions? When you buy Apple, you, you do ask yourself, is does, will Apple still be doing iPhones in 10 years? Or is there, you know, Samsung going to overtake them? When we're looking at real estate, real estate will we will be living in houses, <laughs> and people will be paying rent in ten years. And you you can you can park a lot of the questions that you would have in other asset classes as to whether or not this is even viable. Mm-hmm. Real estate's viable. There's always a time to buy real estate. So I'm not saying every time is the best time to buy real estate, but don't worry about it in terms of timing as much because you, you know. Um, the Dow Jones, this is going to be a terrible example, but the Dow Jones, um, the companies that were in the Dow Jones are com- uh, 50 years ago are completely different to the companies that are in the Dow Jones today. Real estate's not like that. The, the, the best areas in Sydney 50 years ago are still the best areas today, and the houses that were built 50 years ago still exist and they're still generating income and still going up in value. So think differently when you're, talk- when you're thinking about real estate, and it's okay to buy 
at all times in the cycle. Yeah, I guess it's uh, it, it is it is having that longer term view. Mm. Uh, essentially, you know, and we're talking about 10, 20 years type of horizon that with that when we're playing this type of property game, right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think the nervousness mostly from a first home buyer's perspective is um, when they look at the mortgage repayment they have to mm. fork out. Um, and when they look and when there's no certainty in terms of when RBA is going to stop with the rate increases, yeah. that puts a lot of pressure to them. And they go, okay, well, you know, how, how many more rate prices are there to come? And, um, so I think it all comes down to they need some certainty and need some basically some, some surety around that mentality and that mindset before they make their biggest commitment. I guess because this is going to be one of the biggest commitment that uh, yeah. they are going to be making yet, right? So, um, yeah, so that's going to be the challenge um, essentially. But I guess we'll see. Um, it's uh, I, I'm certainly seeing affordability starting to become more of an issue, not mm. just not just the rates. Okay, affordability has has really has really started to impact. Um, you know, say three months ago, some some people might still be able to purchase something in the seven hundred thousand dollars, but with a couple more rate rises now that may have dropped down to about five fifty or six hundred thousand yeah. dollars straight away. That's a huge impact, right? In terms of the area that you can get into. Um and if they can't get into the area or they have to kind of make a, make do with the budget that they have to go, well, why am I doing this? I might as well continue to rent in the area mm. they want to live and then save for a bigger budget or bigger, yeah. Or alternatively, I know the stamp duty reform is coming in next year in New mm. South Wales as well. So, you know, that that will that will lessen the amount of upfront cash that's required. Instead of paying stamp duty, it's going to be an annual land tax uh, being charged, right? So the first-time buyers would have option to be able to choose that. I think some first-time buyers are probably sitting on the sideline waiting for that to take place as well, um, just so that they've got more resources to be able to buy into the area they want. So there's a mix of uh, elements there. But in general, I think, um, yeah, it's, uh, they are... They are being a lot more conservative, um, and I'm not sure whether the necessary would understand a longer term mindset, uh, because this is something that while we keep talking about it, it's very difficult to imprint this type of idea into someone who has no experience whatsoever. Mm. It's kind of like you have to actually buy it, and then you understand it, because now you're you've got a skin in the game. You will do a lot more study and understand how it works. So yeah, yeah, no, I I completely. Uh... I completely agree. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about uh, interest rates and central banks before. I mean, this is the fastest increase in rates since the early 80s, right? So yes. that's over a generation. So everyone, including myself, like, I mean, I was alive then, but, I, I you know, we, we, I don't remember that that very sharp spike in in interest rates right you hear you hear about our parents talk about how they had uh, 20% interest rates and mm. they, they managed to sort of struggle through um this is new and i'm i'm really surprised at the resolve of the rba and the fed and the ecb to um to to stick with this i keep expecting they even redefined recession so that they could keep doing it i mean <laughs> uh, so I'm um, like and it's an election year in the US. It's an election yeah. year, and the Democrats are gonna are gonna get rolled. So I'm su really just surprised, you know. And what I certainly got wrong was I really underestimated the the resolve to to tackle this inflation issue. I thought that they would have done increases and then wait to see it flow through the system, and then raise them again and wait to see it flow through the system. And they've just been really aggressive. Now, to be clear, I think it's they're doing the right thing, generally speaking, because I've been hypercritical of. 
um, lax monetary policy for the last sort of 15 years. Mm. However, it's there's going to be casualties. It's, it's going to be going to be ugly. That's the thing. I think it's the um, um, yeah. It's it's unfortunately the pain that we all going to mm. have to have to bear. Um, you know, using the analogy that you that you use, we're, we're kind of like uh, you know, we just had a massive party during the COVID. You know, everyone's printing money, everyone's yeah. having a great time. Now it's the aftereffect. You know, we're you know we're just basically recovering from sober and uh, you know having a bit of headache here and there. It's, it's a pain that we're going to have to have basically yeah, yeah. the price in order to pay that. So. Um, and I do, and I do agree with you. Whilst it's not a welcomed, uh, you know, a welcomed impact to everybody who has got a mortgage, um, because everyone's tightening their belt at the moment. I mean, not not everyone, not those uh, people <laughs> who's on fixed rate at the moment, but um, it is the necessary evil uh, that we're going to have to have in order to get the recession yeah. beast under control. So, um, you know, I think as uh, as as Dr. Phil Lowe says. Um, it's a shorter term pain for longer term gain, um, you know, to try to bring the inflation beast back into the two to three percent inflation target in 2024. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, it's an uh, interesting discussion. I can see you're, uh, you're putting your economics hat on again. You haven't been speaking <laughs> about too much about that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a lovely, great topic. Look, um, I, I've always, as an investor, I've always invested on the basis that central banks will always do the wrong thing. And that had worked up until this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, I've been, <laughs> which, is, which is the most backhanded compliment I've ever given. Um, <laughs> I've always been of the, the sort of that Austrian economic school, which says that central banks shouldn't even exist. And I think over the last two years, you know, 12 months ago, we were all euphoric. The economy was humming. And this year, everything's in the toilet. And it's because we are either mispricing interest rates to the downside or the upside, but we're always mispricing it. And it's creating this euphoria and this pessimism. And we're like this schizophrenic. Uh, the economy is like a schizophrenic, you know, so it's it's um, it's um, it's problematic. It's problematic. But yeah. since that's the system we have, we, all we can do is play the game that we've, that we've got. Basically, basically. So, all right. Well, uh, I think we digress a little bit. Let's come back <laughs> to continue with our, uh, with our core logic reports. So uh, rents. Okay. So next one is rents going up. Annual change in rent. So nationally, the rents rose another 0.6% in October uh, and led by a 1.1% rise in unit rents while health rents increased by 0.5%. So I think the house rents are starting to slow down while the unit rents are still going pretty strong across the board, which is uh, it's it's beneficial for the investors. I think everything's coming up to leading to, you know, having the investors rejoice party coming back in at some point, John. That's my personal opinion. With dropping prices across the nation, with uh, rental uh, rents continuing to go up, which means the gross yields continue to uh, to improve, and um, the uh, and and the return is going to attract investors mm. to come back later on. I think the main challenge right now is, like I mentioned, it's the serviceability. You know, like a lot of people wanting to buy, so the demand is there. But you know, they're either challenged by the sentiment or they're challenged by the actual affordability piece. So, you know, as soon as Let's say, for example, at Pradal down their three percent assessment buffer rate, which I think will happen at some point. Um, then it will probably be the investors' uh, party next time. Yeah, yeah. Look, the yield will uh, not mirror, but it will sort of track mm. interest rate, the mm. prevailing interest rate. So, if interest rates are, I think they're around four percent now, aren't they? Um, yeah. Prices will drop and rents will rise, so that. Broadly speaking, yields get to about four percent, and 
we saw that on the way down. Um, and why why units units are going up because the immigration spigots have opened up again, and that's generally speaking, units and townhouses are often where new migrants go to live. So I think that I think it, it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, you know, interestingly, uh, we talk about inflation. Uh, one of the biggest components of inflation is while sort of housing isn't in there as a, the purchase price of housing, rents are actually a big component mm. of CPI. So um, when we're talking about high inflation, a lot of that is surging rentals. Yes. So um, that that sort of feeds into this overall story. Yeah, yeah. So rent, yeah. So rent definitely forms a important equation of the overall inflation piece as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? So, yeah. Okay. All right, so uh, I guess we'll keep track of uh, how rent will continue, but it, it does look like at the moment uh, the rent is uh, is still on the upwards trend, while the prices continue to be on the downwards trend. Um, so uh, you know that's that's why we're being we kind of been recommending investors to keep close pulse on the market uh, wherever that you're looking to purchase, because maybe in the next six to twelve months there will be some great opportunities coming up to mm-hmm. be able to snatch up some uh, fantastic. Uh, properties yeah um shall we touch on a bit about clear auction, auction clearance rates john sure so um i guess if i look at the auction clearance insider uh we're talking about the result on the saturday 29th of october um sydney has had about 615 auctions and with a clearance rate of 60 point 67.7 now that's pretty strong, isn't it, John? Pretty good. Yeah, we always talk about seventy percent being neutral for prices. We're getting very close to neutral price movements. Mm. Still falling, but not by much. Mm. And it's interesting. Last Saturday, we had about five hundred and fifty-five auctions with a clearance rate of sixty-five percent. So it's holding up pretty well. And mm. then the actual volume or the actual number of auctions is pretty similar. Nowhere near last year around this time, of course. Last year around this time was 81%. Um, so, you know, that was when the market was red hot. Um, but you can see, I think the trend is it's improving, it's recovering uh, in Sydney. Melbourne's a bit of an interesting story, though. Um, Melbourne this week um, only has 485 auctions with a clearance rate of 61.4%. Mm. Now, that is a sharp contrast to last weekend. When last Saturday they had... 1,050 auctions. So we're talking about volume here almost reduced by 50%. Um, and therefore, the clearance rate also dropped significantly. I was wondering whether it was to do with the um, with the Melbourne Cup day, but I don't think it was. I don't know make why sense it would have it. an impact, but it's, it's possible. I mean, it's possible. I, I can't imagine why that would be the case. But you're right that um, it looks like a bit of a blip because yeah. Melbourne had some fairly good numbers the week before. Yeah, exactly. And it was holding pretty up strong last week as well, 66.3%, right, last weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so this one might be just a blip. Um, Brisbane's holding up pretty well too, around 60%, same as last week. Adelaide still going strong, about 80%, 78.7% yeah, this week. Wow. And last strong. weekend was close to 90. Look at how, look yeah. at how crazy it was. Wow. Yeah, and Canberra's been holding pretty well as well, six about 60%. Uh, but yeah, these smaller markets traditionally are not really auction yes. markets um, as such. Yeah, Even Brisbane. Even Brisbane's not an auction market. So That's right. Um, the home of the auction is still Melbourne, uh, but Sydney uh, Sydney's data is meaningful. But um, yeah, 70, and that, that's why even, even when Brisbane was booming, it still had clearance rates in the 50s and 60s, and it didn't really impact. It didn't mean anything on the price. Mm. Whereas in Sydney and Melbourne, that, that's quite a meaningful data point um 
Yeah, we're nearly, nearly, you know, 70% neutral. I, I, I still can't see us getting there just yet. I don't think it'll be this year. But um, but early next year, I think the clearance rates will be around 70%. So now that we've passed the cup day, traditionally, you know, I think mm. cup day was the, was the peak, uh, basically, is one of those super Saturdays, if I'm not mistaken. After cup day, what typically happens from here in terms of the number of listings? Is it because it's starting to get too close to Christmas? So the number of listings would naturally trend down from here onwards. Is that correct? Oh, it's still, look, November's still pretty good. The weather's nice. Um, it's okay. And then, you know, the first week of December's still okay. Okay. It, it's um, we, it's a little bit of a sprint to Christmas. Uh, not quite. It doesn't get quite that far, but it does go to, say, the first week of December, and then it really tapers off. Um, t- historically, it everything opens up around Australia Day, but we're starting to see that come earlier a little bit. Um, maybe that won't happen because the market's flat, but generally the last couple of years have been strong markets. And so by about the 15th of January, the market's off again. But I, but generally speaking, let's say Christmas to Australia Day or a little bit before Christmas to Australia Day, there's not a lot happening in real estate. And then uh, February is the last month of summer. So there's still some nice weather and, and then it really picks up uh, picks up then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you start to see the listings, the listings, but very few sales start to come on on about the fifteenth uh, of January. You start to see the listings emerge, but nothing selling, and then by uh, February, it's it's in full swing again. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we've got the last sprint in, uh, leading up to Christmas, basically, in the mm-hmm. next few weeks, and then uh, in January, basically, January will be pretty. December, January will be pretty quiet up until about mid December, uh, mid January. Uh, when school's kind of getting ready back into <laughs> places again, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Four weeks to go this year, really. I mean, that's really what we're saying. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Um, I think that's pretty much a wrap. Uh, unless there's anything else, John, you want to mention? No, no. Great chat. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us. Uh, we've uh, we've managed to uh, get these data out on time this week, so <laughs> pretty happy about that. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, as always, um, this is not financial advice in terms of what we have discussed today. Uh, make sure that you do your own due diligence and speak to qualified advisors, uh, which can tailor to your specific circumstances. Uh, and until next week, we will see you guys again in another episode of Spark Your Fire. John and David, bye.